Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It is the future. In 1999, you are listening to The Glitter Boys. episode is going to be kind of a companion piece to something we did a few episodes back where we talked about games that inspired us. For a while since we first brainstormed putting this show together, I wanted to occasionally step away from the main focus of Palladium and look, as we say, beyond the megaverse to adjacent properties or maybe even just gaming related things that we're currently involved with right in this day and era. Yeah. While the first topic is not one that <laughs> is very relevant to the present beyond my own gaming group, it's actually something that I've uh, brought back to the gaming table. And ever since I did that, I've noticed there's suddenly this resurgence of a little bit of conversation on the game in our online circles, uh, such as Twitter. And, uh, you probably know what I'm going to be talking about because you saw the title of the episode. That would be TSR's <laughs> Alternity Role-Playing Game. I'd like to break in for a moment and just say how good it feels to say TSR. <laughs> like, that, 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 that feels good. That feels right. If you're an old fucker like me and you're, you're getting a, more salt than pepper in your beard, uh, all of a sudden saying TSR just reminds you of like your personal nostalgic heyday of when you were discovering gaming. Was a big yeah, the the name, the logo, it it is heavily associated with a lot of my my nostalgia as a younger yeah. gamer. Unfortunately, the name and the name of the logo got heavily besmirched by the not as pleasant or friendly son of Gygax, uh, who has multiple sons, but the not good one decided to take the father's <laughs> property and try and restart TSR using none of the original anybody's. And it failed miserably because they were all terrible humans. So there, you can read about it all online. Just look up TSR drama from the last uh, two years and that'll tell you everything that you need to know. Anyway, you know, honestly, <laughs> would you link that one in the show notes for me? I, 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 <laughs> Uh, or is, that, is, is, is it too negative? It got really bad, and I kind of want to not encourage okay. people to discuss it any further because there was it was a shit show. Okay, it was a shit I have show. Nothing that but failed. warm, warm, fuzzy memories. So yeah, let's let's stick with the good. The good is okay. that it was a fantastic time for us as new gamers, and TSR, you know, rest in peace. They put out so much interesting stuff. And to see the logo on a book, their last book, their last game, Alternity, the last full game product that TSR made before they died. In fact, this didn't even get published until TSR was owned by someone else. Because you can look at the back and you can look at the inside cover. And I've got the first printing here from, from 1998. It has the TSR logo, and it talks about their headquarters at Wizards of the Coast. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, Alternity. 
Alternity is a science fiction role playing game it, that I fucking love. <laughs> it, yeah. I've loved it for years, and I'm now finally in a glorious active campaign with some people uh, on alternating weeks, uh, all of which are brand new to the system, and we're all having a blast. It follows the, the art. Uh, oh, the art, yeah. The art is uh, heavily, mostly, at least in the core two books, done by a fellow named R.K. Post or Randy Post. He's done a lot of art and a lot of games and his art in Alternity really just, it is unlike most of what was out there in mainline RPGs. It's just kind of, I wouldn't say it's edgy, but I would say it's got an edge to it. I'm not an art critic. It's, it's hard for me to really put in words how unique this art is. But it manages to capture that sci-fi slash cyberpunk feel. Yeah, and it also makes very believable aliens. Like um, the sidebars at the beginning with like the Frawl and the Macalus and the Se- the Seishien. Those those are really good aliens, both done in male and female, and just done in this artistic and yet still kind of uh, technical way. It, it's it's really good work. It's really good work. I love the 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 imagination put behind the the space opera default setting of alternity mm-hmm. um yeah okay, okay yeah so basic approach to this game is you have you, know, you pick a race you pick a class but it's not really a class it's just like a, a general focus of skills and then uh, you build out some skills around your character and you send them out into space and go have fun but it doesn't have to be in space because alternity was designed to a to allow play in various, as they call them, progress levels of technology. Anything from the current or the information age, as they call it, through to the fusion age, to the gravity age, to the energy age, and beyond. Like levels of technology that become so advanced, they are indistinguishable from magic to us in the present day. I also like the mechanic that they put forth behind that. Where, where the magic is between two, it's, it's two steps it is, is magic. If you're two steps behind the tech, it's magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, <laughs> it's, it's unfathomable. Although, like, you have to step back, though, as a GM, as a human who's into storytelling, you do have to stop at some point and think about how imaginations worked throughout human history. Like, mm-hmm. like we have, as a culture, have a much more open and out there imagination i would say than we as a culture did 200 years ago so something that is from the far 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 future of technology you could bring to us today and uh, you know a lot of people might be like "Ooh, fucking magic but there's going to be a lot of scientists now in the modern culture Mm -hmm. who are just going to look at that and think oh that's neat let's see if i can replicate that in a lab yeah (laughs) (laughs) so one thing I really like is page 20. Page 20 has a beautiful sidebar, which is the complete hero creation process with page addendum no- notes of where to flip, which I think is is just brilliant. It hasn't, that's not done very often. You know, it's done more often, I think, in the modern day than it was back then. Back in the day, like trying to figure out how to create a character in AD&D was, mm-hmm. you know, you had to basically read the whole chapter to get even an idea of how it's supposed to go. I love, 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 love when major game processes like these that are like core to playing the game in any way 
such as Hero Creation or The Combat Round are given like a sidebar that summarizes every step in order. Yeah. It's good. So, yeah. Anyway, going back to something you mentioned a minute ago was uh, one of the races, the the Sicheans. So the game presents a number of possible science fiction races if you want to play a game in a, you know, spacey science fiction setting. And I love the Sicheans because they are so unlike any mainstream alien race you might have expected to otherwise be on this page. Yeah. They fly, but they have realistic muscular and skeletal structure to support flight where it's not just, you know, wings sprouting out of their back. It's like their entire body is structured around having back muscles strong enough to even support those wings in the first place. Yeah. No, it's, it's, they're very well done. All of them are very well done. Yeah. Another fantastic piece by RK post, all of this stuff. Yeah. I think like they show the, the male and female, but I think really, like one thing that they they do here is so often in science fiction and fantasy when males and females are presented you know females are always the sexier version of the male yeah. <laughs> like you know they 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 take something really cool for a male and then kind of fem it up to make it a, a, a an attractive female and this really you can barely you can't even tell which ones are the males and females in these because the only mammalians I think are the Macalis. And they're yeah. fucking robots. <laughs> like <laughs> well, not really robots. They've just built their society around incorporating cybernetics into themselves from birth, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I like the wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beast people. But again, mm-hmm. they're they're more they're there's a lot more depth to each of these than what you might expect just upon looking at the pictures. But okay, so those are the alien races. The game itself is if you're familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, then you know you understand the concept of having the six core stats. And then, you know, you you give them a number. And this you don't randomly roll your stats. It has a point by system. And the stats range anywhere normally from as low as four to as high as 14, which is the human scale. Other races will have, you know lower minimums or higher maximums in specific stats, but this doesn't connect directly to any kind of dice that you would roll during character creation. You assign the points and you right from the start by assigning these points are basically from the moment you make your character, giving yourself your target numbers for everything you will do in the game. Mm-hmm. everything in the game is based on these stats directly. It's not a stat that's used to determine something else. It's these are your base abilities. You will never not know what you need to roll in this game because they're right there built into your stats. And you will always roll the same dice against those numbers. And I love that because a player can make a choice at the table whether or not they want to proceed with something and they will have all of the information in front of them. Yeah. I have fallen afoul of that so many times by not understanding where I stand versus the situation. And this, the, the, the way that they set this up here makes it so much easier. Yeah. You've got the skills that you buy on a, you know, one by one, one point, one point, one point basis. And what happens is the skills are added directly to the stats 
like directly to the stats, just raising your target numbers. A higher target number in Alternity, unlike Dungeons and Dragons, is better because the higher your target number, uh, when you roll the dice, you ultimately want to roll low. So yeah. it gives you a greater breadth of potential when you roll your dice. The main thing about Alternity that sets it apart from a lot of other D20 systems is, although it does use a D20, as I just said a moment ago, you want to roll low. You're going to roll that D20 and you want to get as close to zero as you possibly can, which, you know, in some ways is kind of the first version of the bounded accuracy. Now that the, the term that they use for fifth edition where, you know, your, your bonuses will only take you so high and this right there, you can only, you can't go lower than zero. Like zero is, shall we say the maximum. It is your best. It is the pinnacle of perfection. I like the chart on page 48, <laughs> uh, which shows every uh, situational steps and the dice required. Yeah. So in alternity, again, you want to roll low. And when something gives you a bonus, it's a negative modifier. Yeah. And bonuses are never applied directly. They always take the form of potentiality. So if the game master says, all right, uh, I need you to make this rule, but I, you're going to get a plus two step bonus to that. What that means is you're going to move two steps down this chart. That's going to give you a D6. You're going to roll a D20 and a D6. And you're going to subtract the D6 from the, from the D20. That D6, that D6 represents two steps of a modifier. If it was three steps, it'd be a D8. And then it would be after that a D12 because they skip a D10 because they only do platonic solids. And then to D20 and then so on. Yeah. I, I love the way this book is organized. It's, it, it's, it was obviously printed back in the day where ink was very inexpensive. And it's just, it's just lavish. And it's really easy to pick up on the important parts on each page. After many years of using it, I am no longer particularly fond of the color scheme. The, the green gets a little bit old after a while, but you're right. I do like the boldness of it. <laughs> yeah, though. yeah. I like that everything is, after you've read a few pages of it, you, you get how this book reads. It's, you know, the sidebars are clearly portrayed in a certain format. The, the tables are clearly portrayed in a certain format. It is a very well-organized book. And yeah. what I also really like is that, uh, so the chapters of the book are laid out, you know, each has their title, like there's the character creation or the hero creation, and then later there's skills, and then further after that there's goods and services, and then vehicles, and so on and so on. The same chapter order in this book is then mirrored in the Game Master book. So if you have the Game Master book, and you want to find the deeper rules or the mechanisms of something that's in a chapter of the player's handbook, you know what chapter to look in the Game Master's book, because they match. Speaking of matching, so do the covers. If you put them together, it makes a beautiful picture. Yeah. On the left, you have the player's handbook. And on the right, you have the Game Master's guide. On the player's handbook, you have this, you know, this this soldier who looks like he's kind of sitting there waiting for the next drop, waiting for the next adventure. And then on the right, you have this freaking alien god-looking thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's just with a bug in his staff. Yeah, it's beautiful. I was wondering if that green was because like 98, right? So this was this was the end of like SVGA, but there were still monochrome monitors around that awful green. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it has something to do with that. Probably. 
I would say that's almost a definite. The there, there's clearly a, a technological um, reference happening here, making it look yeah. even in the font. The font choice looks like it could have been you know come out of a a computer terminal. I love the last resort mechanic in this game. I think it's really cool. What do you think is cool about it? That you have a pool of points you can use for when it really matters. And I, I think that that it shows the inner strength of the character and quantifies it in a way that most games don't. Like I, I, I've, I've said a number of times on a number of episodes, I'm a huge fan of the concept of a final strike where you just, you put everything you have left into it. You don't expect to live through it. This, this mechanic shows the strength, the dedication, the will, the training you've put in, all of these things that are kind of unquantifiable until you need them desperately. And then it gives you a chance at it, which, which I, as a person who frequently as a player puts himself in these situations, <laughs> I really like that there's something there to, to shield my ass other than desperate pleading to the GM that, no, 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 I can totally do this. Listen, listen, this is how. The last resort mechanic, if you're unfamiliar with it, dear listener, is very similar to things that have come out in the years since, such as bennies and fate points and, you know, mm-hmm. um, life tokens and anything that allows you to re-roll or, you know, not die. What I like about this one is it's closer in line to the old Warhammer fantasy version of fate points where there are a limited resource. You don't refresh them every session. You get a limited amount. You can buy more with your experience. And this is the experience that you would otherwise use to raise your skills or buy perks or, uh, you know, skill boons kind of thing. In this, you have to buy those don't die points. And not everybody could even get them. It's based on the dump stat personality. The higher your personality, the greater of a impact you have on the universe represented in last resort points you get more of them and they're cheaper to buy i just i i I think something like that brings you 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 are spending your character's future life the, the 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 xp it's not something you undertake lightly and i just i i really really find that to be a smooth mechanic now i've never played alternity but from what I've seen here, like it, it just it just looks really good. It has a very fascinating initiative system, too, where there's a bit of strategy in determining when you're going to go. You have you have choices to make beyond rolling the die and waiting your turn. You so alternative scales a lot of uh, alternative grades, a lot of things, be it success, quality of equipment range of modifiers, et cetera, on a on a an an adjective flow that goes from uh marginal to ordinary to good and then amazing. So M-O-G-A, marginal, marginal, ordinary, good, amazing. That is inherent to everything. That's inherent to your skill target numbers. That's inherent to your initiative checks. That's inherent to, you know, is your gear pretty okay? Is it crappy? Is it amazing? That kind of stuff. Initiative is set up in a way that combat every round has four phases, the marginal, the ordinary, the good, and the amazing phase. And when you perform what's called an action check, you 
can go as soon as the amazing phase or as late as the marginal phase. But if you have multiple actions and you roll really high, let's say you have two actions and you roll for the amazing phase, you can choose to go amazing and then good, or you can wait and stack those actions at the end. There's there's a little bit more strategy that comes into it, and I really like that. I've seen it happen in a lot of different gaming systems where it's like, you you have reacted fast. You Your initiative was really high. You got your bonuses, and you're going first. But someone else is speaking to the villain uh, or the antagonist, and you're not really sure what where where it's going to go yet. Yeah. Now, with something like this, you can set yourself up to let that person make that decision for you and then still react like lightning. I, I, I really like that. There's so much to recommend this game. Why would you say this game didn't, didn't, uh, didn't make it? A few reasons. If I'm going to assume it has anything to do with the quality of the game itself, then I think that the reason it was not very successful, uh, again, just going by its own merits alone, would be the fact that it's a uh, subtraction-based system. People just don't like rolling low. They're so ingrained into rolling high and everything else and high and then add and stack those bonuses ad infinitum that the concept of rolling low and subtracting things is somewhat uh, off-putting. And just people's ways of mentally processing math, it is generally considered harder to subtract than it is to add. I could see that. But it does have something going for it in that as well. I, I don't know if you have this, but I have always had this where when I buy a cheap dice set, it tends to roll pretty well. When I buy a fancy dice set with runes mm-hmm. and little scroll work, it always rolls like shit. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a system for your fancy dice. Yeah. Beyond that, though, realistically, I think that it wasn't advertised well. It happened at the end of TSR. And at that point, when it was being put to market, my understanding is that Wizards put it out because they had the product. They're like, mm-hmm. well, might as well go ahead and put it out anyway. But they basically ended support for it as soon as it was released. Like yeah. It came out. There were some expansion books that came out that were ready to go. Um, there were a few more that were written and or on the docket that never got released or ended up as like online releases only. And then they just dropped it. Like there's a line of novels for it that have the Star Drive logo for the, mm-hmm. the Star Drive campaign setting. And they had another setting called Dark Matter, which was basically the X Files role playing game. And right. that even had some novels. And I must say, as a side note, the Dark Matter campaign source book is still to date in my top five beautiful books. It is a well assembled book. Watsy put it out and then immediately abandoned it. I, I hate corporate decisions like that. I just. Capitalism noises. I I, I don't. There there should be more passion projects, you know? Yeah. They they, they just should. I agree. Uh, But, you know, Wizards of the Coast, they were high off magic and third edition was in the works. So they had just purchased TSR. They're like, all right, we just purchased TSR. We're going to bring all of this stuff to a close and start our own thing. And in. This came out in 2000, uh, in 1998, and yeah. in the year 2000, third edition was released. And after that, after that, we all know what happened. Yeah, we're, we're sitting in the midst of it now. Like everything changed. Like Dungeon and Dragon magazines used yeah. to support all different things from that day forward. 
third ed only. Yeah. Yeah. I miss the old dungeon magazines where you get your, your adventures for different things and do all the little advertisements for oh, so good. I miss the old dragon magazines. They were fun. They just, yeah. I, I liked the articles. I liked the comics. I liked everything there in that package. I have a huge collection of them in a comic box somewhere mm-hmm. put away because one day I'll take them out and read them again. But yeah. I just don't want to damage them. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, Nights at the Dinner Table filled that hole afterwards. Like it was much more niche, much more silly, but it still had the same feel. The Rifter has that feel and kept going yeah. with it too. Even, you know, sure, it's only Palladium stuff, but you know that going into it. But it's, yeah. it does still have that variety show feel that I think mm-hmm. a good gaming, you know, companion magazine should have. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, not to take it too far. It, it just keeps going. It's all very well laid out. The useful pertinent information is easily highlighted. It's, it's really easy. And it's, it's open-ended enough with its progress levels and with the, the gear and stuff that it presents that it is entirely possible to play Alternity as a fantasy role-playing game. Like, yeah. You can take the core mechanics of Alternity and simply dial down the progress level. And now you have a kind of a, a space opera feeling game that takes place in a fantasy or different setting. And by space opera feel, I mean, you know what I'm talking about here. It's not, uh, it's not 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's, it's definitely something more in line with like Battlestar Galactica or, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I went straight to Spelljammer, but that's just because I miss Spelljammer. You could totally do that. And the Game Master's book adds the rules if you players want to play magicians. They call it mm-hmm. FX or special effects, or, but the yeah. FX is the magic system. And they even have a magic source book. What's really cool about the magic source book, it's called Beyond Science. I like the title. It's it's all very interesting magic. None of it's like, I'm a wizard, I cast a fireball spell. It's all things like divining power from alien, unfathomable gods or, or stuff like that. Just out there, science fiction level magic. It's a great, great system. So I'm going to take a giant leap here in our navigation and go straight to uh, page 206. Where we get our starships and their charts and their own character sheets. Mm-hmm. Very important. Muy importante. And they get their own book later. Man, it's it's a shame about this one. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen a, a polished edition of this, you know, because this is, for an, for an out the gate, this is great. But it could be organized slightly better. Um, some things could have been added. And, or or just basically more stuff. I, I would have liked to have seen where this went. Yeah. The one thing that it is strangely lacking, it has examples in all of the text, except it does not have one of those classic things that you know from all role-playing games back in the day, where a page or three, which is just a fictional write-up of somebody's combat round, doesn't have that. It's weird. Really strange decision. But hey, I suppose you could run it with psionics. Oh, yeah. One of the races gets psionics. So, mm-hmm. I mean, psionics is generally considered to be expected. So, again, you know, like Babylon 5 kind of psionics in this game. Yeah. And then their version of Borgs. And- For I like to recommend this game to people who play games like Stars Without Number, which is an OSR science fiction game with a lot of similar themes. But they want a little bit more crunch. 
Alternity can do that for you. It's a crunchy game, but again, like Palladium, I'm 100% certain that once you get the game to the table and you play it for a little bit, you realize, oh, this actually isn't as crunchy as I thought it was. The main crunch comes from subtracting numbers. Yeah. I'm going to bring to the final thing that I really like about this, and that is the alphabetized index at the back. <laughs> Not by section, then sub-alphabetized. So you're checking sections. It's like, what is the letter, the first letter of the thing I need? Yep. Flip. There it is. Go find. Beautiful. It's something that is unfortunately lacking in a lot of games even today. Yeah. So that's Alternity. What, what, what would you like to say about it? What would you like to say to Wizards of the Coast? What I would like to say, I've said to them in tweets and I've gotten <laughs> likes on those tweets and even retweets, is why the fuck have you not released this digitally? I know that the PDFs exist because you sold them in the early 2000s because I bought yeah. some of them. I have the ones that I bought then still on my desk. I know that they exist. For some reason, Wizards has put out so much of their old product. All of this old Star Frontier stuff. They've put out the old versions of Dungeons and Dragons. You can buy now, legally, from Wizards, a print-on-demand version of the Dungeons and Dragons rule cyclopedia. Nice. Not just digital, a print-on-demand. They will reprint the damn book for you and send it to you. Why the hell are none of the alternative books in their online for purchase catalog? Wizards, get on it. There is an active community still playing this game. The There was a resurgence in like 2018, I think, when a new edition came out that had like one or two of the original people were attached to it. And it was just not good. It didn't have, in my opinion, it didn't have any of the things that made Alternity, the original, excellent. And then it flopped. And now yeah. people are still talking about it, but there's a huge community online developed de- devoted primarily to the original at alternativerpg.net. Forums, articles, files you can download, people's house rules, all different kind of stuff on there. The website is still alive and active. This feels like archaeology when we do this, and I really, I'm really here for that. It's yeah. like this is this is a, a, a subculture of a of a forgotten tribe that still worships. At, at the altar of alternity. And I, I, I like these, these I, for lack of a better game, and I'm sorry to anyone still playing it, forgotten games. Discussing them, dragging them forth into the light, putting them behind glass in a museum, and pointing out all that's interesting about it. I really do enjoy it. I, I wouldn't mind making this something we do every now and then. I still want to... Yeah. We have so much Palladium to get through. but <laughs> Yeah, so much Palladium. And we are a Palladium fan podcast, primarily. I do like stepping away from time to time. Yeah. And you know what? We have other games to step away from, step away to that are actually directly tangential to Palladium's properties. I mean, I have one that I'd really like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I drop a, which one is yours? Hackmaster. I want to do Hackmaster. I'd love to do Hackmaster. But even if we wanted to like, you know, promote things closer into the Palladium to the Palladium (laughs) ecosphere. There was a game that came out a few years back on Kickstarter by Jason Richards, who has contributed a lot to the Palladium books. 
that game was called Breach World, which was mm-hmm. essentially Rifts, but in the D6 system. Yeah. Yeah, I figured Hackmaster was also tangential because uh, Jolly's comics, yeah. Oh, yeah. Aces and Eights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, I just love me some Hackmaster. Man, I would love to do an Aces and Eights crossover with Rifts New West. Mm. <laughs> How many campaigns can one man run? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> but anyway, that was Alternity. It's it's a fantastic system. It's one of my favorites. I'm running it right now. Uh, there's a bunch of people talking about it right now online. So if you got any questions about it, folks, tweet at us or join our Discord and uh, let's get a conversation going. Yeah, thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, The Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.